as George Lucas famously says in the making of documentary of Star Wars Episode One, it's like poetry at rhymes. You know, it's that, like poetry at rhymes. That's like exactly what I was grasping. So I knew it was deeply in the recesses of my brain. I was like, wow. Oh. Why, Boba Fett marks the return of the Star Wars galaxy's favorite bounty hunter as he rises like a phoenix from the Sarlacc pit. And today was the finale of the book of Boba Fett, so we are going to be talking about Boba Fennec, Mando, Grogu, all these things that make us extremely excited for Star Wars, but will maybe sound like gibberish if you aren't watching the show. Yeah, that's right. So if you are, you already know why we're obsessed with this one. I'm Alex Logan. And I'm Ian DeBorja, sitting in for Lizzie, who is on vacation this week. And this is IMDb is Obsessed. The show that tells you the one TV series or movie we think you should be watching this week and why you should be watching it. So Alex and I woke up bright and early this morning mm. to watch the season finale of The Book of Boba Fett. And we're here to break it down and talk about our predictions for what's next in the Star Wars galaxy on Disney+. Plus. So if you haven't watched it yet, we are going full-on spoiler mode in this episode. So if you haven't watched it yet... I mean, what are you doing, right? Yeah, I mean, come on, go. Grogu's in it, okay? That's all we're going to say if you haven't watched it. But I promise you, it pays off so much of what it set up this season, and it is a ton of fun. So let's sound that spoiler alarm. Ian, can you do your best Wookiee impression? I unfortunately can't. <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> Works for me. Perfect. All right, let's jump into it. Uh, yeah, so Alex, I mean, let, let's talk really quickly. I know you've been a huge fan uh, of the series and of the Star We're both huge Star Wars fans uh, and of the show so far. So what have been your favorite moments from this finale? I mean, honestly, all of them. This was, this was such a delight on every level. I, I am so in awe of the Star Wars brain trust of Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni. Um, somehow they have like bottled the feelings I got when I first discovered A New Hope at eight years old, and they just injected into the very DNA of this entire series. And I know there was some skepticism when the show first started. Uh, I think people felt that Boba Fett was not as cool as they had always Im imagined him to be in the past, you know? But I think the show you know, made every effort to slowly and surely show you how this man who was horribly damaged by being thrown into a Sarlacc pit and like clawed his way out, how he changed <laughs> and became this other character and how he's now trying to better his life. I, yeah. I, I've just followed that story and I've loved that story. And, you know, it's, it's been really so much fun on every level. Yeah, there's there was always something really interesting that Star Wars was and Disney was going to do something around Boba Fett because Boba Fett doesn't even have lines or he has like one line in the yeah. original trilogy and we just see him as a little kid in the prequel trilogy and so you know he shows up in comic books and stuff like that um for the extended galaxy content of Star Wars but fans just have always had this sort of interest in this character who just kind of stands in the background, has a couple of cool moments in Return of the Jedi. Um, but I think they really did deliver in a lot of ways for imagining what people like had hoped for a, a Boba Fett there. Yeah, I think they thought, you know, he'd be running and gunning around the galaxy, just, you know, taking out bad guys. But 
I, I mean, I think they did that a little bit at the beginning of Mando, of The Mandalorian Season 1. They gave mm-hmm. you a taste of what that was and then developed all these characters. I think that's that works in the comic books. That works in, like, you know, the extended universe novels. But I think they wanted to tell a more developed story and something a little bit deeper. And they do it in this, like, slow fold out way where you have to be a little bit patient, which is something mm-hmm. that I don't think they have really been able to do in any of the any of the films because they have to pay off so much in those and they have such limited time and space to do it. You know, a whole new cast, the whole old cast, everything crashing together, you know, different people all in charge. <laughs> it it didn't come together in the best way, but you know, this finding those two passionate Star Wars nerds who, you know, loved playing with the toys back in the day and now playing with, you know, the biggest set of Star Wars toys in the world and the void with, you know, uh, <laughs> Dave Filoni and, and John Favreau. And it's just, I, I mean, it, it brings that part of me back out where it's like, I'm, I'm a kid again playing with my Boba Fett toy. Yeah, and I have to shout out Dave Filoni because as like a longtime fan of the Star Wars animated series like The Clone Wars and Rebels, which you can also stream on Disney+, Plus, um, I have a lot of friends who love Star Wars and have never seen those movies or the and have never seen the animated series. And I, along with a lot of other people, believe that's, that is some of the best Star Wars content that is like available, period. Movies, this new these new shows, whatever. Um, so I highly recommend people go back and watch uh, definitely the Clone Wars and Rebels. Uh, I will say for Clone Wars, the first season really feels like a children's TV show, which was the original intent. But in season two and onwards, the storytelling is just absolutely incredible. And it's so fun for me, who has been a fan of those shows, to see... Dave Filoni and John Favreau bring out these animated characters that I loved into real life. Yes. Uh, we got to see Ahsoka uh, in, in Mandalorian, and she pops up, obviously, in the book of Boba Fett. But a big moment that happened in last week's episode was seeing Cad Bane, the incredible, like, Western uh, bounty hunter who shows up in Clone Wars. And just seeing him realize like that was just so incredible. Oh, the makeup is incredible. The, the, the you know... I've never seen a mask and integration of the face and everything work so well as he does. And then the Corey Burton voice, uh, yeah, you know, who incredible. did it on the show as well, right? I mean, he is such a legend as far as being a voice of everything. I think this guy has, you know, one of the longest IMDb pages in history, but like everything from <laughs> Dale of Chip and Dale. He was James Bond Jr. If you ever watched that old cartoon show. And then I know we're both Disneyland fans. He's the Paul Freeze sound alike. He does all of the like Haunted Mansion VO and everything. Right. But this Cad Bane character voice is so cool. And I got to tell you, ma'am, I quit after season one of Clone Wars. That's all I've really seen of the animated. This this has convinced me. This is where I finally gone. Because that first season was was very, I'm a little bit older than you, so it was very, yeah. you know, kid-oriented. And yeah. it didn't grab me. I, it's not something I jumped into. And, you know, my Star Wars love lay dormant for a while. And this is <laughs> this is what's re-sparked it. And now I'm, like, pretty much all in. I'm, I'm, I want to know more about Cad Bane for sure. That was a character that I didn't, wasn't familiar with. And then also got to shout out my man, uh, Chris Santon. The Wookiee, mm. the Wookiee bounty hunter, who's he's from the the yes, uh, animated series books. as well. Oh, comic he, he books, the comic okay, books. right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that character absolutely popular. I mean, anytime I see a Wookiee, I'm I'm happy, <laughs> but a bad Wookiee, 
a Wookiee with, you know, some dreadlocks, some scars, like <laughs> that was an incredible character. And yeah, I, I love what they've done with him and, and brought him into the fold onto Boba Fett's team. There's been obviously huge parallels for like Westerns, right? Yes. For uh, the book of Boba Fett and the Mandalorian. Uh, but one of my favorite moments from this finale was the Rancor Kong sequence. Yes. Uh, oh you know, my gosh. <laughs> not expected at all, but then suddenly it became a Godzilla versus Kong fight with, yeah, yeah with Rancor taking on those uh, laser drones. Yeah, because, you know, Favreau and Filoni do such a great job of, like, making the head nods towards other films and shows that paved the way for Star Wars and the extended galaxy of content. But we haven't quite seen, like, a really uh, sort of monster movie influence, which no. obviously King Kong is. And just, I mean, they even have a fan service part where, like, uh, the Rancor is literally hanging off the side of the building in Mos Espa, which was such an obvious nod to that, which I thought was so oh, fun. Perfect King Kong. Yeah. And that was that was a, you know, Chekhov's gun on the table that I was not expecting to pay off like that. You know, I was like, oh, they'll throw somebody to the Rancor. You know, they'll have a moment with him. I didn't think they were going to go full Rancor Kong and have him. Yeah. Hanging off the side of the building. That was so great. And I love I love that. I love that they're they're wearing their influences on their sleeves. I said last week the episode with um, Luke training Grogu felt very mm -hmm. Miyazaki-inspired. And, mm -hmm. you know, there is obviously this long tradition of Japanese influences and samurai cinema in all of Star Wars. And this was an interesting nod where, like, they were nodding to something that obviously came after Star Wars but is kind of in that DNA and really mm -hmm. doing this, like, beautiful training sequence, very gentle, very, very... Uh, uh, dreamlike where mm -hmm. Luke and Grogu are just, you know, going through, going through these Jedi training sessions and there it's some of my favorite stuff I've seen on any of the recent Star Wars. That was, that was such a change of pace and a, and a really welcome one. And I thought, I thought the de-aging of Luke was pretty good too. Yeah. It, it looked much better than when they did it uh, at the end of season two of the Mandalorian. I mm. think his voice, like I kind of wish they just had Mark Hamill just do the regular voice because I was looking it up. They actually use like a voice synthesizer to mimic young Mark Hamill's voice. When I feel like, oh. you know, Mark Hamill's a voice actor. He could just do it himself. I kind of feel like I huh. should have done that. But overall, I, I didn't realize great. that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So so yeah. he didn't perform any of it? They didn't so I think so I from what I read, he people suspect that he read the voice lines and they sort of altered it to make it sound younger. But I wish mm. they just kind of had him do it. Um, but overall, I think it looked great, which kind of leads me to my next question. So prior to this finale, there were a lot of rumors that Han Solo was going to show up in this finale. He doesn't, obviously. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? There was a different character that I was hoping for that I think we'll get into that, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I thought was going to maybe <laughs> yeah. show up. But again, <laughs> they had enough stories set up to pay off. They had to, yeah. you know, they didn't show us all these, all this time in the desert with Boba learning the ways of the Tuscan and, you know, finding kind of rebuilding who he is as a person, no longer a bounty hunter as a Mandalorian. If he accepts this, you know, part of his personality, like trying to find himself. And it's, mm -hmm. it's, it didn't need to also then try to fold in, you know, a de-aged Harrison <laughs> Ford and yeah. this other character that I think we want yeah. to get into Mace Windu. Yeah. Yeah. So um, before we get to Mace Windu, I do want to call out that since you said Boba spent a lot of time uh, sort of growing into this new care of not being so ruthless, one of the standout moments for me from the finale was when Fennec Shand just straight up like 
killed elected officials uh, yeah. of Mos Espa at the end of the episode. So that stood out to me for a couple reasons. A, Boba Fett does a, uh, he spends a lot of time when he's arguing with Cad Bane about how he's not, you know, he's not a boy anymore. He's kind of a different person. And then when he finally kills Cad Bane, Cad Bane goes, see, you still are a killer. And then we cut to a few scenes ahead of time and we see Fennec Shand murdering the uh, the, the the Pike Syndicate members, but she's yeah, alone. and the mayor. And yes. the mayor, and she is alone, right? So mm. I'm curious if to like next season, there's going to be a little bit of tension there between Fennec wanting to be a little more ruthless and dark, which they definitely have teased at there, and Boba being like, no, these are my people. I'm just trying to lead them and have them be safe. Um, that That's sort of like my thought into, yeah. into what kind of grabbed me. That's a good split to, to drive that stake between them and find some, you know, just sow some seeds of distrust within within mm-hmm. the house. Because I think, you know, obviously they set up a lot for the next season of them. Now that they've taken over the town, how do they rebuild? How do they, mm-hmm. you know, actually hold control? Who are the other forces that are going to come? You know, the, that's not the end of the Pike Syndicate. They're a very powerful off-world power that could come back and, you know, seek revenge. There's also the Hut Twins, which we only mm-hmm. got a small taste of, and I was so excited to see from from the prequels uh from episode one they were you know briefly at <laughs> yeah. at uh anakin's pod race and pod race yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but they were just you know two disgusting fat slugs laying all over each other that were just really 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 wonderful but uh they're still out there and they still want revenge and they still want that throne from boba mm-hmm. fett right i mean they think it belongs in the hut family so there's a lot of outside sources between mas Espa and then also freetown which they, if you stayed through the credits, we saw that Cobb Vanth is not dead. He was yes. put into the back to tank and they're trying to revive him and then he'll rule over Freetown and then, you know, try to hold power between those two places. It's it's a lot of world building and it's a lot of resetting for the next chapters of the Star Wars galaxy. Right. And, and not just setting the next phase for the Book of Boba Fett, but what... Um Disney Plus Star Wars content has done so well is making season finales also include other shows from uh, the slate of Star Wars content on Disney+. Plus. So uh, at the end of the finale here, Grogu pops up again, even mm-hmm. the last episode. You know, Luke made a big thing by saying, you can either choose to go with the Mandalorian or you can stay and train with me. And so when Grogu shows up at the end uh, and flies away with uh, the Mandalorian, Jin Jaren, you kind of get the sense like, oh, I guess he did choose living with him over training with Luke. And I'm curious as to how they're going to kind of weave that in into the eventual fall of Luke's Jedi training temple that he had with Kylo Ren in the sequel trilogies. I'm hoping that (laughs) Grogu's safe, right? That he's not (laughs) there. I mean, that was kind of the best, uh, you know, the most hopeful thing that they showed us was that he's not training with Luke because we know that the fate of Luke's school is everyone dies, you know? So at the hands of, uh, of, Kylo Ren. Kylo. Yeah, mm-hmm. they all die at the hands of Kylo Ren. So I, I'm hoping that Grogu doesn't go back to train. <laughs> but this is also the path of Luke and his training in the original trilogy where he left Master Yoda and then tried to come back right. and finish his training. So this is, this is you know, history repeating itself, time loops and, and, you know, echoes throughout history, which is all of Star Wars. It's always that kind of like those those cycles and, and right. uh, yeah. As- 
as George Lucas famously says in the making of documentary of Star Wars Episode One, it's like poetry at rhymes. You know, it's that, like poetry at rhymes. That's like exactly what I was grasping. So I knew it was deeply in the recesses of my brain. I was like, ah, oh, where is that? Yes, exactly. But yeah, it's 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 all there, and you know th- those. Those are the exactly the things in the back of Dave Filoni and John Favreau's minds as well that they're mm-hmm. building towards. So you, you will see these stories repeat themselves. They'll find new ways to innovate, but they'll never get that far out of like what George Lucas initially in, envisioned for this universe. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Right. So before the show, before the book of Boba Fett premiered, you had the chance to sit down with some of the cast of uh, the show and you got a little soundbite out that kind of took over Star Wars Internet for a little bit. Do you want to chat about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I yeah, I obviously had ulterior motives for this, but I was talking about (laughs) who Boba and Finnick could take on in the universe and was just throwing out, you know, a few names, see see what they would see, how they'd react to it knowing that I was building to the one and only Mace Windu, who <laughs> is the the man who strikes down, uh, the Jedi who strikes down um, Jango Fett, Boba's father in Attack of the Clones in that incredible, you know, oh. all out just battle sequence. So- yeah. And there's this moment that is flashed in the first couple episodes, which I had seen where Boba's in the back to tank and, you know, healing from his wounds from the Sarlacc pit and his time in the desert. And he is flashing back to that moment right after Django, his father was killed and he's holding his helmet and, and looking into it. And, and you can tell that it's something that still pains him. And I thought, you know, possibly they're building to the revenge because the, in the, in the revenge of the Sith in episode three, uh, Emperor Palpatine blasts Mace Windu out a window, <laughs> but how many Jedi have we seen fall down a very large pit or from a very high height and somehow survive? I mean, Luke yes. did it. Palpatine did it. Uh, Darth uh, Maul does Darth it. Darth Maul did it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's again, it's like poetry. It rhymes. <laughs> but uh, I think there's a very good chance that Mace Windu could come back. And when I pitched that to Boba Fett's star, to Moira Morrison, he really took over and was saying, oh, you're really taking me back. I can see it in my mind. And he was saying that he thought John Favreau should write a second season where he gets revenge on Mace Windu. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was soundbite gold. That was exactly what we wanted out of it. <laughs> and I agree. I hope so. I thought they might be building to it in this season, but obviously they've got a larger tapestry or at least a lot of options, a lot of places to go with the next wave of these stories. Yeah, and and speaking of places to go, I mean, let's chat about those a little bit. So uh, Disney Plus and Star Wars have announced a whole slate of television shows uh, that people can consume over the next couple of years. So Alex and I are going to kind of walk through the the ones that have been announced and just kind of discuss as to what we're most excited about. So obviously, first one up is Mandalorian Season 3. The rumored release is going to be Christmas 2022. Happy Life Day, Alex. Happy Life Day, Ian. <laughs> uh, 
what what are your thoughts on on Mando season three? I already said that I think it's going to kind of track Grogu and his training with uh, or with their training uh, of being a Jedi. Do you have any big thoughts for Mando season three? I mean, it could be Grogu instead changing paths and training as a Mandalorian because the Mando obviously still believes in his you know deep Mandalorian pride, even though they you know he had that falling out with with the other members, the kind of like mm-hmm. remaining members of the Mandalore or of Mandalore. And he, uh, I think that maybe this is the turn. I mean, obviously, like I said, he could return to Luke and try to restart his training, but I think there's a chance. Maybe it's, maybe it's just a Grogu and Mando, uh, adventure series. I mean, I'm, I'm here for it. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it, it was really fun seeing, uh, Jin Jaren pop up in the book of Boba Fett, because again, the way they kind of interweave these storylines that are running parallel is really interesting. So I'm, I'm curious also if they're going to return the favor for Boba Fett and like Fennec and the mods mm. of the book of Boba Fett to show up in the Mando season yeah. three also. Uh, so I'm very curious about that, but they have been very tight lipped, obviously. Yeah. Um, so we're so curious to see there. Uh, next up is the one I am personally most excited for, and I think a lot of people in a lot of Star Wars fans are excited for, which is the Obi Wan Kenobi show. Yes, very very exciting. I am too, and you are in luck today, Ian, because they just announced that it's coming on the 45th anniversary of the original Star Wars of A New Hope. It's May 25th, 2022. We're getting this first episode of Obi Wan. And just based on the poster alone, you just get Obi-Wan solo walking through the Tatooine sands. I mean, come on. How much more exciting can, can, can this be? Oh, I am here for it, man. I, I didn't know that I needed this show, but I need it. I need it now. I mean, this is this is the one that was like just wanted into existence yes wanted into (laughs) existence yeah exactly like people just like demanded this to the point that they did it you know this is release the snyder cut kind of like levels of (laughs) the internet just kept saying it until now we have it and i kind of can't believe it worked uh i never can believe when this works but (laughs) here we are and yeah this is yeah so Obi-Wan Kenobi is supposed to take place 10 years after the events of Revenge of the Sith, but nine years before A New Hope. So very clever. It perfectly casts in Ewan McGregor to return as Obi-Wan in his right age. Uh, Hayden Christensen is also reprising his role as Darth Vader at this point. Uh, Joel Egerton and Bonnie Peace uh, return as Owen and Brew Lars, Uncle Owen and Aunt Brew, who pop up at the end of Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. And some other unknown roles, which are... which are very, very interesting. Kumail Nanjiani, uh, Indira Varma, O'Shea Jackson Jr., oh, Sun Kang. Yeah, Justice for Han. Yeah, Justice for Han. From my and, fast uh, saga. <laughs> yes, and Benny Safdie. Wow. Uh, really exciting cast of side characters as well. Yeah, I mean, they, they've they had the pick of, of all of Hollywood and, and beyond to, to cast these shows. And they, they find so many Star Wars nerds and fans. And like they put in Book of Boba Fett, Danny Trejo showing up. And, you know, I think they can find a cool place for Kumail to show up. I mean, he may yeah. be an alien. He may be a voice. He may be in heavy makeup, <laughs> which they've done with a number of people. But yeah, that's awesome. That's great. 
and Benny Safdie too is an interesting choice. I, I love seeing the the you know nerdy art house cinema guys like start popping up in these bigger pictures. I know that he just got uh, cast in the new Christopher Nolan movie Oppenheimer as oh, well. I yeah. did not see that. Mm-hmm. Okay, very exciting stuff. Yeah. Well, it just um, means more money for the Safdie brothers to make more uncut gems. So, <laughs> right. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a win. Thanks, Star Wars. Win for everyone. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and and Alex already brought this up too, but I just really love that the journey the prequel trilogy has come since its release. It was panned so hard when they came out. Like it, people saying it didn't work, and over the years, the internet has just embraced everything about their prequels. It's campiness, it's goofiness, uh, Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor in particular. So I'm really happy that, that you know, they're going to combine forces and, and bring it to the people once more. And for people who haven't fully embraced that camp, they're redeeming the characters with a new yes. chapter that will, you know, put a new spin on it and I'm sure find a way to, you know, <laughs> make them lovable once again, even if, you know, at the time you were like, this guy can't be Darth Vader. <laughs> right, right. Uh, next up is, uh, I know one Alex is excited for, is Andor. Mm, yeah, so definitely. This is rumored to be released mid to late 2022. So this is set five years before Rogue One, following Cassie and Andor uh, during the rise of the Rebellion. So Alex, I know you're a huge fan of Rogue One. Yeah, I am. That was one of the only of the Disney Star Wars films that I really liked completely. The, you know, the rest of the trilogy, there were parts that were incredible high highs, but just overall, it was too much to, to all the time. Like it was, they were, like I said, you know, they're trying to, trying to nail so many different storylines and characters and everything. It just didn't all come together. But Rogue One was that simple chunk they bit off. You know, it was a smaller single Star Wars chapter that they could tell really well. And that's what I I really dug about it. And it was something new that we hadn't seen necessarily. There were, you know, touching the sides of of the journey. And, you know, obviously Darth Vader shows up in one of the most oh. epic, yeah, kill sequences ever. Incredible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And <laughs> and such such a lot of fun. But like I I like that they are extending that story because obviously it was a closed-ended one. And <laughs> find find more things with Diego Luna's character character because I think he's a really mm-hmm. interesting one and they you know really scratched the surface. I don't even think they knew 100% like where they could go with this character at the time and yeah, to Rogue see him One come was like back. the great experiment of like can we fill in the blanks of Star Wars yes. and it was a resounding yes you can and so I'm glad they're going to pay it off more with this show. Uh something that's really excited for, exciting for me about Andor is that it was created by Tony Gilroy right. who is the writer of the Bourne franchise. He wrote Rogue One, he's also a writer on uh, Armageddon. Shout out Armageddon. Yes. Um but what's exciting about this is I think that while Book of Boba Fett and Mando are very much in the western sort of slow burn uh category Gilroy's writing credits leads me to believe that this is going to be like a really action-packed show. Spy thriller. With a change of pace. Yeah, spy thriller, exactly. I I think it will be. I think it's, yeah, I think Bourne is a great call-out. I think it might go more in that category of like, you know, you're globetrotting, you're going to a lot of these exotic locales and you're following him through like the dark back alleys of it. That's great. That's something we haven't seen. And that's that's more of the Star Wars Underworld promised Mm -hmm. series that they were working on in the background for a decade, writing hundreds of scripts that no one will ever see. But, you know, that's, that's kind of that that storyline that they've always had in their back pocket wanting to tell. And then this is an amazing, you know, avenue for it with, with sure. Cassian Andor, who was just like, Hey, you all loved Diego Luna. We only got a little taste of him. Here's his whole story. <laughs> yeah. And then just tailing on more incredible additional cast members that have been announced. Stellan Skarsgård. Yes. Adia Arona, Fiona Shaw, 
And then Genevieve O'Reilly is returning as Mon Mothra, who <laughs> right. she played in Rogue One. And then Forrest Whitaker as Saul Guerrera, who has appeared plenty of times uh, throughout the extended Star Wars canon. Yes. Uh, so just really exciting casting just, just throughout, which I'm very much looking forward to. Genevieve O'Reilly has one of the most interesting stories as being playing the role as Mon Mothma in the prequels and having her scene cut out, but then realizing that when they came back and were doing doing Rogue One that she still could perfectly play the part. So let's just <laughs> yeah. bring her back and have her play Mon Mothma. And now that they're going back to that that time period again, here she is. Like now yep. she's just the Mon Mothma. So that's yeah, that's awesome. And she she's perfectly cast for it. Uh, so the, ne- the next three titles, we have very little information on, but we just want to call out really quickly. So uh, in Ahsoka's show starring uh, Rosario Dawson, returning as a central character as Ahsoka Tano, um, again, a huge fan favorite. Two more shows that were announced, very little details. Um, Lando, we're not even sure if uh, Donald Glover is confirmed to return as Lando Calrissian. I assume he's going to, <laughs> otherwise they wouldn't have announced it. But Seems he, like they wouldn't be doing it without him, right? Yeah. I mean, that was kind of what stood out, why people liked it. I mean, Lando's a great character. We all mm-hmm. love Lando, but it was Donald Glover's portrayal of Lando that really was what people, <laughs> people zeroed in on and why they wanted more, of course, right? I mean, that was, I, I can't imagine them trying to reboot it again. Yeah, yeah. So o- overall, Alex, after two seasons of The Mandalorian, one season of The Book of Boba Fett, what are your overall thoughts of the coming Star Wars content on Disney Plus? I'm excited. I'm really excited. <laughs> I gotta say, I, I I feel like a kid again. I feel like a you know a nerdy little kid playing with his Star Wars toys. Like I haven't felt throughout any of the films. Unfortunately, they didn't bring me back to that place like especially the Boba Fett finale did, which Mm -hmm. I just really, you know, uh, relit that fire in me in the best way possible. And yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see, you know, Grogu and Mando (laughs) tool around the universe and whatever else they can bring us, you know? Yeah. And and what's what's exciting that you say that is because for me, I'm on the other end. Like I loved all the new, the sequel trilogy Mm -hmm. stuff. I think it was all great and so fun to watch, but these shows are still doing it for me too. So they're figuring out a way to combine, you know, people's interests and make it all like work in harmony, which I think is just chef's kiss perfect. (laughs) Uh, And so, you know, it is a very happy birthday for Alex. And what better way to celebrate Alex's birthday than just continuing to talk about Star Wars. Uh, So this week's social media question, we'll just put it out there for the world. What is your favorite moment from Star Wars? Uh, we got a lot, a lot of comments on Facebook <laughs> yeah. and Twitter. Uh, on Facebook, right when before we checked, there were over 2,000 comments. Uh, so make sure you check that thread out, duke it out. Uh, Alex, what are some of your favorites that you pulled out? Uh, EIK Narf 1957, Star Wars, New Hope, The Binary Sunset. I imagine Luke is reflecting on his life and especially his future and what to do. I've had this exact moment in my life. It was truly a turning point and life-defining moment. I I can't, I mean, so many people said this, so many people just posted the picture of Luke's face as Mm -hmm. he looks out on those two sons. And I completely agree with the swelling John Williams music. That's the moment where if you weren't already excited about what Star Wars was showing you, it's the emotional pull that just drags you into this movie and then now you're locked for life. I mean, I know that was the moment that like, activated me to be a Star yeah, Wars nerd for life. Yeah, like every time I rewatch Star Wars, when that scene comes up, like I still get chills. Yeah. And uh, I actively look forward to being able to show my 
eight-month-old daughter oh. that scene at one point because I know I'm going to be one of those people who just like gets a single tear when uh, <laughs> she watches Star Wars for the first time and sees that scene. And then uh, when she tells they, you at the end that you don't like it, you'll do a Darth Vader. <laughs> no! <laughs> yeah, yeah. The whole house is going to rumble and then all the windows are going to break. Uh, Gator Hater 47 says, Mace Windu, speaking of, says, the party's over and getting to see all their favorite Jedi fight. And this is, of course, in Attack of the Clothes on the Battle of Genosha, yeah. which you talked about. I love seeing this scene in theaters, too, because up until this moment, you never got to see the full Jedi army. Like Never, yeah. In full force. Like, you you see kind of old man Jedi fighting throughout the original prequel, <laughs> or the original trilogy, and then you get the incredible Duel of the Fates in Episode One, But then in Episode 2... You just see all these lightsabers pop up uh, in in that stadium, and then ah, uh, it's just incredible. It was just so cool seeing all just Jedi yeah. at their full strength fighting. It was it's, really such a fun moment. It's a you know a pro wrestling all out SummerSlam. Like it's everyone <laughs> right. in the ring and everyone's going wild. I I I love that sequence and it's it's silly and it's campy as you know everybody's pointed out, but it's also really really fun. And, and yeah, yeah, I I I, I agree. Yeah. More Mace uh, Windu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, 23 Nate says, soon to be Valentine's Day. So in honor of that, the scene in Empire Strikes Back when Leia tells Han she loves him and he replies, I know. Oh, so Beautiful. Good. Beautiful. Yeah. Incredible. Who knew that Star Wars was so romantic? <laughs> right. Uh, so Alex, I got to know, what's your favorite moment? Oh, well, Ben Chastine on Facebook nailed it. He said, Jar Jar Banks, every Star Wars should have him and they need to go back and add him to the original three. In fact, forget Obi-Wan show. Sorry, Ian. Jar Jar needs to have his <laughs> own show and movie called The Jar Wars. <laughs> but okay, Ben, you're hilarious, but it's really the trench run uh, in the oh. in A New Hope. It's, it's the greatest sequence. I mean, I remember watching that on the USA channel as a kid, staying up late to catch it and seeing, seeing that the first time and just being like, this is so cool. I want to yeah. live in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and like, I've at done the, it so much in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end of the sequence, or when uh, you think Luke is going to get shot down, he's being chased by Darth Vader and the two other TIE fighters. And then you hear the Millennium Falcon come in and uh, Han yeah. Solo knocks a two out. Uh, it's, it's just so cool. Uh, it's 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 incredible. Um, so my favorite moment is actually the the trench sequence. I was going to say, but for oh. the sake of conversation uh, and for newer content, I went into Rogue One completely blind, and the ending five or ten minutes of Rogue One, where Darth Vader shows up, which leads into uh, Episode Four. I had no idea any of that was going to happen. So when I was watching in theaters, I was like almost standing up in my seat. <laughs> I had a full on like out of body experience yeah. being like, oh my God, this is going to lead right into a new hope. And it was just like so, so incredible yeah. and just gave me so much like hope, uh, no pun intended, <laughs> for like the future of Star Wars. It was just... Yeah. Again, just oh, so, it, it, so incredible. It's made me want to just start watching A New Hope. I was just like, you know, like to, wanted to stand on my chair and yell at the projectionist, like, just put on New Hope. Like, let's keep it <laughs> <Yeah>. going. <laughs> yeah, you can't just, stop here. Yeah, there's, there's so many incredible moments. And again, the conversation is happening and is very active. So you can go to, head over to at IMDb on Twitter and Facebook. You can use the hashtag IMDb is obsessed. Join those conversations. Get in there. We can read more out. 
And if you want to check out those interviews with the Boba Fett cast, Tamoya Morrison and Ming-Na Wen, it's on the Boba Fett IMDb page. So you can check out what they had to say about Mace Windu. And then there's a second video where they talk about filming on Jabba's throne, mm. where they just, they got so excited about just, you know, making making that initial shot where they're, you know, sprawled out on the throne and <laughs> taken over the place. And yeah, it, it's it's great stuff. Yeah, and uh, in other big news this week, obviously in terms of film there's and other television, news besides Boba Fett. Yeah, th- there's there's some other news other than oh, Boba okay. Fett. Uh, the Academy Awards announced their nominations, and so per usual, you can head over to imdb.com/oscars to check out all the incredible content that we're going to have up there. We have galleries uh, of the nominees. You can check back historical information on the Academy Awards. You can check out videos that we've shot with actors uh, and filmmakers from the nominated movies that are going to be up on there. Uh, and in a couple of weeks, there's going to be a special episode of IMDb is Obsessed about the Academy Awards. Yes. So make sure you're keeping out for that as well. It's all at imdb.com slash Oscars. Check it out. And as I said before, it is Alex's birthday. And the best way to give Alex a birthday present is to send over those lovely five-star ratings and reviews over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify now. Uh, because they do ratings. So if you have any thoughts, please send them that way. Every rating helps us a bunch, and we appreciate it. And it's like an uh, extra cake on my candle. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> and it's like an extra candle on my cake. Exactly. And who doesn't want to give Alex more candles? <laughs> please. Uh, Alex, thank you so much for having me on this episode. Oh, thanks for coming here to nerd out with me. I, while, while the Lizzie's <laughs> away, the nerds shall play. So we <laughs> we had ourselves a lot of fun. Thanks for, thanks for joining And Lizzie will be back next week for IMDb is Obsessed, but who knows, I may pop up again in the near future. Only time will tell. Yes, as if Boba's back, Ian's back. (laughs) Thanks again, Alex, and thanks everyone for listening. See you next week. Bye.